You are listening to the Bozeman United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. Every Monday morning, you can catch up on the previous Sunday sermon or ones you've missed from the past. You can find out more about us at bozemanumc.org or on our Facebook or Instagram page. We appreciate you listening. Don't forget to share with a friend. Hi there, I'm Mel Roberts, and I am going to tell you my story, and I apologize that we don't have a scripture before this, but what I've discovered is as I've grown, grown older, my story keeps getting longer, and I also didn't want to have to subject you to reading the first four chapters of Esther, which was about the only thing that I could come up with as a scripture. It's kind of hard sometimes to just pull out a, a small passage to kind of mirror your life, and so I didn't want us to have to read all that much, so... Um, I'm just going to kind of tell you a story this morning. So here we go. Um, I told someone this morning already that when they asked me where I was from, and this is kind of my common answer, maybe you've heard me say this already, I'm from everywhere and nowhere. I grew up as a kid. Um, My dad did um, contract work for the military. And so we traveled a lot. About every six to nine months, we moved. And so we kind of lived all over the place. But the common thing in my growing up experience, no matter where we lived, no matter where we were, no matter if we moved into town on a Saturday night at midnight, the common thing was Sunday morning, we were at church. It did not matter what was going on. It did not matter if, um, you know, mom had to dig out Sunday clothes for us that very first morning after traveling all day the day before. We found ourselves in church. And it was a certain flavor of church, a certain denomination that my family always looked for. Being from the South, we ended up in Southern Baptist churches. And so that's the way I was raised. And it did not matter. It did not matter. Um, It did not matter if we were living in Brazil and we didn't speak the language. We were still parked in front of the TV watching Oral Roberts in Portuguese. Sitting there going, what's happening? But that's just what we did. That was the tradition. We were there every week, and that's the way I grew up. And when I was about eight years old, uh, we were living in Texas at the time, which uh, the place that would become our kind of permanent home once my sister and I got into junior high. And um, I was eight years old, and they were having a good old-fashioned Southern Revival. And it was teen and kids night. And what do you do on teen and kids night at a good old-fashioned Southern Revival? You show a movie that's going to scare them to death. And so they showed this movie. I think it was called The Late Great Planet Earth. Anyone read that book way back in the 70s? Yeah, Um, meant to kind of scare you to death. And it worked. It worked on me. And you better believe at the end of the service, I ran down to that preacher in that really cheap suit and a lot of hairspray in his hair. And I ran down to him and I was like, oh, I need to be saved. I do not want to go to hell. And so I repeated a prayer that he spoke to me. And, uh, you know, that was kind of it. And nothing really changed my life. I just kept doing my thing, going to church. And I got older. And, and when, like I said, we settled down in Texas after my sister and I were getting into junior high. My mom told my dad, that's it. We're not moving every six months. We're going to stay where we are. And these girls are going to have a little bit more of a normal life. And so my dad continued to travel, but, but we were stationed in DeSoto, Texas. And we were going to a church regularly all the time, and I was there on Sunday mornings. I was there on Sunday nights. I was there on Wednesday nights, and pretty much any time 
the doors were open. But yet, you know, there wasn't a whole lot really going on in my life spiritually. I was reading and hearing over and over the safe stories of the Scripture, and, and I was learning the doctrine and memorizing the Scriptures and doing all those things that a good Southern Baptist girl did. The other thing that I did, other than going to church during that time, was play sports. I was an athlete. And as I was going into my junior year of high school, I was rated as a four-star recruit. And I was so excited because in your junior year, you get to start making official visits and all that kind of stuff. And I'd had some contacts from some really big colleges. And I was so excited, so excited, because that had been my dream to play big-time college basketball. And about a week before school started, some of my buddies from church, we went fishing. And we went out fishing, and we caught no fish, but we got covered in bug bites. And I came home just completely covered in bug bites. I took, you know, a bath in chamomile and put all the lotion on me and took some Benadryl and went to bed. And, you know, it was kind of annoying for a couple days, but it was just one of those things. We'd had a good time. But about a week and a half later, after school started, I started feeling sick, like I had the flu. And it just wouldn't go away. And it just wouldn't go away. And it just wouldn't go away. And I was, I was starting my junior year, and I was in cross-country getting myself in shape and ready for basketball season and all those kind of things. And we went to my, my family doctor and said, hey, I just don't feel right. I just don't feel right. I'm tired all the time, and I'm kind of achy, and I kind of feel like I've got the flu, and I've got this low-grade fever for like two weeks. And he said, you know, you're a 16-year-old girl. You probably play too much, you know, basketball and run too much in cross-country. And so here are these vitamins, and I want you to quit cross-country and just rest. And I was like, okay, well, that doesn't seem quite right, but did it. Never really felt better. About a month and a half later, just a few days before the basketball season was about to start, I was at church one day, and I was late for something. I think we were getting ready for choir, youth choir in the back, and I was actually running down the center aisle, probably not the best idea, and boom, right in front of the altar, right up front, I have a grand mal seizure. And I know there were people in the congregation that were sitting there going, thank the Lord! Something magical is happening in that crazy teenager's life. You know, the devil is coming out of Melinda Roberts as I'm sitting there having the seizure in front of the altar. And so we ended up going to a neurologist, and he tested me for everything. And by this time, I could barely get myself out of bed in the morning. Tested me for all sorts of things, and then just kind of on a whim, he called one of his doctor friends that he had been in residency with who was studying a kind of new disease at the time called Lyme disease. Ah, some of y'all have heard of it. Yeah, I had never heard of it at the time. No one had really ever heard of it at the time. It was 1985, and uh, my doctor said, you know, this is kind of an outlier, but let's test you for this. And sure enough, I tested positive. And so they started treating me for that. But the problem was they didn't really know how to treat it. They still really don't know how to treat it. And so I would get really, really sick, and then I'd get better for a little while, and then I'd get really sick again. And let me tell you, my junior season of basketball was a disaster. I mean, it's really hard to play basketball when you can't feel your hands. And so the calls and the letters from the colleges kind of stopped. Stopped. 
and I was frustrated. I was so angry at God. I was so frustrated for what is happening in my life, and I just felt like everything was falling apart. But, you know, I had another year. I had my senior year coming, and so as I could, as I was starting to feel a little bit better, I was getting back in shape, and I was getting ready to play, and I was playing with a a junior Olympics team in Dallas and all these kind of things, and I was like, okay, here we go. My senior year, let's go. This is where the momentum is going to come back together, and I was feeling good going into the season, and sure enough, about two weeks before the season started, I got sick again, and I was back where I started from, and again, the offers just disappeared. There were a couple of junior colleges that were really wanting me to come and play just based on what they had seen from me my freshman and sophomore year. And so I was getting a lot of offers from them, but I was sitting there going, junior college? I'm not going to play at a junior college. I'm better than that. My pride just really kicked in. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And I kept holding out, waiting for a good school to remember the athlete that I had been before I got sick. And my coach said, hey, you know what? Here's what I think you need to do. She also, in her senior year in high school, had suffered an injury. And she went to a junior college, and she had this coach who was really kind of a specialist at rehabbing people and getting them, like, you know, back from injury, back from illness at a junior college, and then getting them into a major Division I program. That's what had happened with my coach. And she said, I really think you ought to go to this college and they really want you to go. I've told my former coach all about you and you really should go and take this scholarship. But I was like, no, no, no. And so I turned that down and I went to a four-year school, a smaller school in Wichita Falls. Um, Y'all folks from Oklahoma probably know about Midwestern State University. Yep, real close to the Oklahoma border in Wichita Falls, Texas. And I went there, and again, it was like, okay, I've got time to get myself ready for the season. I was starting to feel a little bit better, and so I got back in shape, and I was ready to go, and sure enough, season starts, and I ended up having to take a medical red shirt because I was just too sick to play. And again, I was even more devastated because now not only was I sick, but I was away from home and I was angry at God and I completely denounced my faith. I was done with it. And I finished out my second semester and I got home and I was just like, you know, I just don't even know what I want to do with my life. And I decided I was just going to drop out of college. And I had a friend who was kind of feeling the same way. He had had a rough year, his, his freshman year at college. And uh, he had been staying up really late watching infomercials about going into business for yourself. And his parents had done that. And so he was like, how hard can it be? Let's drop out of college and we'll just go into business. And we went to this conference that said, you know, all you need to do to succeed in business is you just got to do something you love. And so we started looking around. What can we do? What kind of business can we do that is something we love? And we found these, these movie theaters for sale in West Texas, out in Big Spring, Texas. Anyone ever been to Big Spring, Texas? Oh, man. What a joy to be in Big Spring, Texas, right? But we bought these movie theaters. Keep in mind, we were 19 years old. 
And we only bought these movie theaters by, you know, his parents helping us out. And so we go out there, and we're running these two movie theaters. And one of them was, like, right downtown on the square. And it was this old building. And um, let me tell you, you can throw some awesome parties in an old movie theater. And so, you know, after running these movie theaters as two 19-year-old kids who really were just having parties a lot and things like that, after about six months... We had to sell them back to the guy we had bought them from, right? And I was like, what am I going to do now? I was way too proud to go home. Have you kind of noticed that pride seems to be an issue for me? Have you all noticed that? And I was like, I I just don't want to go home. And so I decided to stay there, and I was renting a room um, from a family, and um, I was starting to get sick again. And my mom was like, you can stay. If you want to stay there, you can stay, but you've got to get back into college because back then you could still be on your parents' insurance as long as you were a full-time student, right? And so they said, you got, we don't care. We don't care what you do. You can stay out there as long as you're in college so you can be on our insurance so you can get treatment for your Lyme disease. And so it was like right at the beginning of the semester, but it was real close to that ad drop date, you know. And I was going through the the lists of classes at the local college in Big Spring, Howard College in Big Spring. And um, do y'all remember, some of y'all probably remember this, some of you are not at all, but remember the class schedules used to be in these big newspapers? Yeah, yeah, I see those heads, yeah. And so I was looking through these newspapers and I was just looking for something that would fit my schedule that wasn't early in the morning and um, something that would fit in with my degree. I was a math major at the time and, um, and physics minor. What was wrong? And so um, I was looking for classes that would work and um, I got down to one. There wasn't much offered in my major that I hadn't already taken or placed out of or all those kind of things. And I'm just kind of looking what's going to fit, what's going to fit, what's in the afternoon. And I see this philosophy class And it was open. There was seats. There was room for it. And I was like, yes, I'm going to take that philosophy class. That'll take care of my humanities um, part of my degree. And so I signed up, and I get in there. It's at 1 o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I get in there, and I'm so confused because the first thing that happens is they say, let's pull out our New Testament. And I was like, what? And what I found out when I got the syllabus was it was a philosophy of the New Testament class. Let me tell you, when you're running from God and, uh, you know, you're out here in the middle of West Texas and and you're really angry at God, the last place you want to be is in a philosophy of New Testament class on Tuesdays and Thursdays for an hour and a half, especially considering the fact that the professor who was a local Southern Baptist preacher was like the only person in the entire college that seemed to have an attendance policy. And so I had to go. My other classes, I only went when I had tests, you know. But this one, I had to go. And so I'm going every week. And and this pastor, Dr. Kenneth Patrick, starts to notice that I know all this material. Even though I'm like sleeping through class and, you know, I'm there. Yes, I'm here. But I'm sleeping through class. And he's like, hey, I want to get to know you a little bit. Something's up with you. And I'm like, leave me alone. I'm mad at God. God has, has ruined my life. But he just kept going. He just kept going. And um, by the end of the semester, he was teaching the scriptures in a way that was really new for me. He was digging into the context and the history and how things fit together. And I found myself, even though I didn't want to, kind of listening a little bit. 
perking up a little bit and maybe even adding to the discussion every once in a while. And um, so it was getting close to the end of the semester and my mom was like, well, what are you going to do for the summer? And I was like, I don't really want to come home. And she's like, well, you know, you don't have a job and you're sick and all that kind of stuff. So you kind of need to figure it out. And one morning towards the end of the semester, I was laying in bed trying to decide if I was going to get up and go to my physics class. Um, the answer was no. Um, I didn't because I never went to my physics class. And I was laying there and I was just like, what am I doing with my life? What is happening? Do I ever even want to get out of this bed at all? My depression had gotten to that point. And as I was laying there, whew, here come the emotions, folks. As I was laying there, I heard this voice that's totally indescribable that said, are you ready to follow me now? And I said, oh, I think I better. And so I jumped up out of my bed and I went right to Dr. Kenneth Patrick's office. And we talked, we talked about faith, we talked about lordship, we talked about discipleship, we talked about the struggles that I was having with my health. And in his office, I found a new purpose. But I still didn't know what I was gonna do for that summer. And a week later, I get a call from Dr. Kenneth Patrick. You have to say it that way, Dr. Kenneth Patrick. And he said, hey, can you come into my office for a minute? I've got someone I want you to meet. And so I was like, sure. And so I went in, and he introduced me to the youth minister there. Uh, his name was Jimmy Story. And um, it just so happened that a few days before this, around the time I was having this real crisis of belief, that their female youth ministry intern for the summer had backed out. And they needed somebody. And they said, hey, would you be willing to serve in this position? And I was like, I have no idea what that means, but yeah, does it come with a paycheck and a place to live? Yes, it does. And so I was like, okay, I'm in. And uh, it just began this wild ride for me. That whole summer was just this eye-opening time for me, a time when I rediscovered my faith and I learned so much more about what following God was all about. And I saw amazing thing ha things happen in the lives of teenagers and it became just the launching point for my ministry. It was the beginning of my call into ministry, which took about another two years to solidify, but that was the beginning. But you know, that point in my life where I met Dr. Patrick is really important. Um, how many of you guys out there are like superhero movie fans? Do I have any like Marvel or DC? Okay, I see a couple hesitant hands coming up. No, it's okay. It's all right, Zach, right? It's okay. I knew his hand would be up too. You know, it's been interesting over the last couple of years in the Marvel universe and in the DC universe and in the Sony Spider-Verse and things, they've been investigating this idea. In The Flash, they called them finite points. And in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially in the What If series, uh, not too far back, they called them absolute points. And in the Spider-Verse, the Sony Spider-Verse, they call them um, canon events. And what they are are these events that are kind of unavoidable, that have to happen in order to develop the hero's story. And I look back at that time with Dr. Patrick and... I know that that was one of those events. I like to call them a divine appointments. Right place, right time, right people for something to happen that is just so spiritually doused that something has to happen. 
And after those moments, you better hang on because it's going to be a wild ride. The part that I didn't tell you of that story, remember that coach that that junior college that my coach really wanted me to go play for? Howard College in Big Spring, Texas. The same spot that I ended up eventually. I believe I had a divine appointment in that class on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 1 o'clock to 2.30 that really changed the direction of my life. And it was a wild ride. And I think I've got time. I don't know. I need a, I need a clock back there. I think I've got time to tell you another little divine appointment in my life. Because you might be saying, okay, so how did this Southern Baptist kid end up a Methodist preacher? Well, another divine appointment as it may be. So real quickly, I'll go through this one. So I, after that year in, in ministry at, in Big Spring, I came home and I started investigating my call and started interning at my home church in youth ministry and, and did all those kind of things. And then I ended up going to a Southern Baptist college, um, Howard Payne University in Brownwood, Texas, Stingham. Yeah, we're not in Texas, so y'all don't know what that is. Um, but I went there, and then I did seminary after that at, uh, in Fort Worth, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And so um, I had all this education, and I had all this experience, and I had been a part of a growing youth ministry while I was in seminary. And the thing that happened during my last semester in seminary is the Baptist took a very hard right turn. And um, I graduated, and suddenly, even though I had all this experience and all of this education as a woman, I couldn't even get an interview in youth ministry. And so I had to, like, widen my scope a little bit, and I finally ended up at a Southern Baptist church in Delaware. Yeah, interesting journey from Texas to Delaware, but, you know, I'd moved around all the time when I was a kid, and so that was not that huge of a deal, and, and Delaware was great. I mean, I could go one direction, and in, like, 30 minutes, I was at the beach. In, like, 30 minutes, I was at the Chesapeake Bay eating fantastic seafood. In two hours, I could be in D.C., I could be in Baltimore, I could be in Philly. In four hours, I could be in New York City. It was fantastic, and I spent five years there, and it was like, wow, this is amazing. And, and I really loved it and had a, a really thriving youth ministry there. And then my sister and brother-in-law went and adopted their first child from Russia. And I was smitten. And they lived in Colorado Springs. And suddenly, Delaware seemed a real long way from family. And so I started looking for a job, and I thought, surely, now that I've got more stuff on my resume, surely I'll be able to get a job somewhere in the southwest, kind of close to my sister and brother-in-law and um, their child, Brady, who is now like 22, but wow, it's crazy. And so um, I started looking for jobs and was just having no luck again. And I got on a youth ministry job board one night, and I was just reading it, and it was nonspecific. It was just like all sorts of churches from um, the, that part of the country, and I was just looking, and I started reading a job description, and I was like, that is me, that is me, that lines up with me perfectly, that is awesome. And I get down to the bottom, and I press the button for more information, and send resumes to First United Methodist Church of Farmington, New Mexico. And I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. 
Because you've got to understand, as a Southern Baptist, you know, born and bred and educated, there was actually on a test one time, there was a true-false question that said, because the Southern Baptists have invested so much money and effort and time into me, I will be a lifelong Southern Baptist. And you better believe the answer to that question was true. And even though I answered it false, but that's just because I'm a rebel. And so... That's the way, and so when it came time to like submit that resume, I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. I mean, I grew up praying for my Methodist friends that they would become Christian, right? <laughs> so I didn't press the button. Some of y'all know, right? Yeah. And so I didn't press the button. I didn't send in my resume. That was in October of 2001, and in February, after still months of being frustrated, not understanding what God was up to, um, I got a call from a guy in Florida. And I saw the number come up on my caller ID, and I was like, what is this? And I answered the phone, and he said, hey, my name is so-and-so, and, and I, saw your, I saw your resume online, and I think I've got the perfect church for you. And I was like, oh, you don't understand. I'm not looking to go south. I'm looking to go out, you know, close to my sister in Colorado. He said, yeah, I know. I am a um, ministerial headhunter. I didn't even know that it existed at the time. <laughs> and it got me a little nervous when he said it at first. But he said, um, I've been hired by a church in the southwest. They're doing a nationwide search for a youth minister. They have been looking for just the perfect person for their position for over a year and haven't had no luck finding the person they want. So they hired me to find somebody somewhere out there to come. And so can I tell you about this church? And I was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And so he starts telling me, and in my head I was like, I know what church this is. And so he gets down to the bottom. He was like, how does that sound? It matches up perfectly with you. And I'm like, yeah. He said, there's just one problem. I said, yeah, it's Methodist. And he was like, what? How did you know? And so I told him the story. But I'm not that dumb, guys. After that nudge from the Holy Spirit, I was like, okay, I'll take a chance. And wow, what a wild ride. I ended up at an awesome church in Farmington, New Mexico as a youth minister. I served there as the youth minister for 13 years under a fantastic pastor that mentored me and trained me and started to open up my little small box of Baptist theology. And the world was new. And the world was full of opportunities. And he started pushing me up on stage, even though still that little Southern Baptist girl was like, oh, I don't know if women can lead. But I jumped up there finally on stage after he pushed me, and I found this love for the pulpit and this love for preaching and this love for leading and spiritually connecting. And so instead of going back to my alma mater who was trying to get me to go and get my PhD and go and teach there, teach youth ministry. I said, no, I'm going to get into the system. And it was a wild, wild ride. Again, this divine appointment, this moment when the Holy Spirit just kind of took control of the situation and put me in the right place with the right people at the right time for something amazing to happen. And I tell you those stories because, you know, as I've gotten a little older, I'm a little bit better at picking up on what the Holy Spirit's been doing. And ever since I got the first phone call from Zach back in February about coming to serve here, my spiritual spidey sense has been tingling. And I know, 
I know, I know, I know that this is a literal divine appointment in the Methodist system. And I know that I'm here for a reason and I'm so excited about the ride that God is about to take me and us on. So what do you say, church? Amen. You ready? You ready? You ready to take a ride? Are you ready to go on an adventure? Not that you haven't been on an adventure before me. I know that the things that Zach has been doing here in the last year have been really amazing. And you guys are trying some new things in this partnership with Living Waters and this partnership with me and Zach. And again, I'm so excited. So are you ready to go on the ride of your life? Let's go. Buckle up, folks, and hang on. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bozeman United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on each week's sermon. To find out more information about us, you can go to bozemanumc.org or check us out on our Facebook and Instagram pages. No matter where you find us or connect with us, we pray that you get out there and do good.